thirteenth of Tishrei in nineteen sixty nine. Um, this year, like that year, the Rebbe Rasha's anniversary of passing his Hilula was on the thirteenth of Tishrei on Shabbos. So let's begin. Parshas Azinu is sometimes between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and sometimes after Yom Kippur, like it is this year. Although it was our sages who established when the Torah portions are were read, but the Ramam writes that whatever our sages established has the same uh, validity, the same same power as a biblical commandment, whether it's a positive commandment or negative commandment, whatever our sages established has the same strength as their as what they what as what they ordained. As it says in the Torah, you should listen to the Torah that they instruct you. You should not turn away from what they instruct you, right or left. They meaning the sages. So if they establish something, it has a biblical um, weight because the Torah itself says, listen to them. But the question is like this. How is it possible that the same Torah portion is read sometimes before Yom Kippur and sometimes after Yom Kippur? Well, on Yom Kippur, there is this purity that God gives the Jewish people, as it says in the Torah, that before Hashem you'll be purified. So we're in a lot higher level after Yom Kippur than we were before. So how is it possible that we have the same Torah portion, sometimes before, sometimes after, when we're so different? After Yom Kippur, we're, we're before Hashem, we're purified before Hashem, so how can we read the same Torah portion? The truth is that even before Yom Kippur, the Jewish people are already on a high level, because they already had the month of Elul, they had the days of Slicha, they had the Rosh Hashanah, they had the ten days of Tshuva. They didn't get the tenth, but they had the a lot of the ten days of Tshuva. But despite all that, Yom Kippur adds something incomparably, incomparably greater than what was before Yom Kippur. It's similar to the advantage that a Baal Tshuva has over Adik. It says that when Mashiach will come, Hashem will cause the Tzadikim to do Tshuva. So Tzadikim aren't at the level of Baal Tshuva, and Mashiach will give them that virtue of Al-Chuva. Al-Chuva is far higher than a tzaddik. So whatever we've reached before Yom Kippur is sort of like being like a tzaddik. We've been perfect. We, 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 we were really shining our shoes, right? But Yom Kippur comes and we're now on the level of a, of a Balchuva, so a, a returnee to the Eibishter. So we're on a whole new level. So the question is, how is it possible that the same Torah portion is read sometimes before Yom Kippur and sometimes after Yom Kippur? In the middle of Parshat Zinu, Parenthetically, Rashi says that up to this point, Moshe Rabbeinu was rebuking them. And from this point on, Moshe Rabbeinu is, is comforting them. So, so we do see in Parsha Zinu itself a, uh, two different kinds of energy. But reading Parsha Zinu, whether before Yom Kippur or after Yom Kippur, how do we do it? We don't read oh, the comforting part now and the, and the part, the rebuke part before. Rather, we read the entire Torah portion, whether it's before Yom Kippur or after Yom Kippur, we, we, we read the rebuke part and we read the comfort part and we have the same concepts with, called by the same, Torah portion is called by the same name, which means it has the same energy and content as the Magid and Al-Trebbe taught that whatever is the name of something is the energy of that thing. So, if the name of the parsha is Zinu, that means they're the same exact parsha, whether it's before Yom Kippur or after Yom Kippur. And the question is, how can we read the same Torah portion when the Jewish people are in completely two different states?
There are um, um, there are um, so, uh, there's a book of the Torah, uh, one of twenty four books of the Torah. Shmuel Shmuel has two parts. Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Beis. And Malachim has two parts, and Yom have two parts. So they have different names that, although they have a similar uh, first name, there's another letter there that's added to differentiate between the first part and the second part. Here we have an entire Torah portion that's read whether it's before Yom Kippur or after Yom Kippur. And the question is, what's going on? We're not the same. So how could the same Torah portion now after Yom Kippur when we're a whole different place than we were before Yom Kippur? When the first, well, understand the first prefacing the idea, the famous idea that even after Yom Kippur, there has to be true. Even after Kippur is over, it ain't over. You still have to do true. It's known the story that one time after Yom Kippur, the Rebbe said, My father in law visited his, his father, Rebbe Rashab, and he asked Rebbe Rashab, What do we do now? What was the question? Since Yom Kippur has passed and everything has become perfect, We've said Hashem is Elohim seven times, which spiritually means that there's an elevation of the emotional attributes of Atsilos to the level of Atik. And besides the spiritual gain, the spiritual level that we're at, besides that, it comes down in the world in a physical way. And that's when we blow the shofar. And we see next year in Jerusalem. And as the previous chapter explains, it's not that we have to wait till next year. Rather, Mashiach comes immediately. And automatically, by next year, we'll be in Yushalayim. So it's not that we're elevating to the highest level and it stays somewhere in, he- in heaven. Rather, we blow the shofar. And we say next year in Jerusalem, explain, emphasizing whatever, whatever we're asking for, in the, whatever we're reaching spiritually, should happen in the physical world. Mashiach should come. So we, everything is really the way it's meant to be. Spiritually, physically, we blow the shofar. We're asking for Mashiach to come right now. It's, it's, it's all there. So the question is, what do we need to do now? So Rashab responded, now to start doing Teshuvah. It's a higher level of Teshuvah. It's like Tzaddikim doing Teshuvah. But that's the, that's the, um, that's it to start doing now. All levels of Teshuvah are connected to each other. It, it, it says a similar thing about reverence for Hashem. There are different levels of reverence for Hashem. The lowest level of reverence for Hashem is being afraid of punishment. Like uh, it says in, the, in Tanya, it talks about how children are afraid of getting hit by their teacher. So that's a low, so a similar way, a Jew may be keeping their mitzvahs because they're afraid he's going, to get, he's going to get zapped if he doesn't. And the highest level of reverence for Hashem is where you're ashamed in front of Hashem uh, because you feel Hashem's exaltedness and therefore you feel you're not what you're meant to be. So even the lowest level, even when you're within the feeling of I don't want to get zapped, in that feeling, if you would dissect it, you would discover a trace of the highest level of fear. In other words, the Neshama's expression in reverence for Hashem, the deepest part of the Neshama that is expressed in the highest level of reverence for Hashem, had, that's also present in the lowest level of, of, of uh, reverence for Hashem. So, so too, even in the, the Tshuva after Yom Kippur, there is something of the Tshuva... Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before, before we go on in the Febrengen, I just want to explain a little bit why we have to start doing Tshuva. What does that even mean? So, I'll explain, explain on another occasion. It's similar to the idea of, of asking for forgiveness, specifically the middle of davening, by Shemana Esrei, after Shemana Esrei, that's when we say the confessionary prayer. You think that 
when you come to Darwin, the first thing you do is like let's let's first talk address the elephant in the room. I made all these mistakes. Let me ask for forgiveness for these mistakes. And once I've asked for forgiveness for all these mistakes, then let me ask you my requests. But instead, we do the whole entire davening, Tushman Asri, and only then we ask for forgiveness. Why not ask for forgiveness before we start? First, ask for forgiveness. First, per, first get rid of the negative. So the question is about Shmonesa, not Hoidu and so on. Right. Shmonesa. Why are we asking for things before we ask for forgiveness? We're still guilty. How do we ask for things? No, it's, 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 not, the, no the question is that the, the, the question is that it should be right before Hoidu. It should be before Hoidu. Before we do anything else, we should... Right. Oh, it makes sense. Oh, this is the first thank you so much for everything. Should we do forgiveness before Hoidu even? And 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 that siddur that you showed me, um, the siddur with all explanations of the words. Right, it's, uh-huh. it's, 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 Hashem, open my lips. Right. How do they translate open my lips? Forgive me for my sins, and then I'll be able to talk to you. So in a similar way, before before we get in the conversation, you know, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. Before I do, first No, before I do. But you say, okay, I don't I understand the question. Okay. Actually, before we start, I do. Before you even start anything, first. First, say, let, let me let me first get rid of. Let, let me okay. take out all the bad things in me first. Then I'll start talking to you. Let me first address and ask for forgiveness. And who am I to talk to you first? So, so why do we why do we ask forgiveness later on? Middle Shmanasri, after Shmanasri, Ashan Magan. Why is that Ashan Magan? Should be the first thing you do is Ashan Magan. And the answer is, is that you only really sense that there's anything that's you only can really understand there's any issue when you're face to face with Eibushtei. Yeah. Only when you're face to face, you feel the closest to Hashem. Then you realize that there's there's an issue. I don't know if the story is true or not. because I heard the story just recently. That Mendel Futafas, when he um, um, came out of the Rebbe's room for the first time, his first audience of the Rebbe, he just came out of Russia, and he's in the audience of the Rebbe. He comes out of the out of the audience of the Rebbe, and he sees a yeshiva student, a bacher, who was learning a discourse. And in the discourse, there's a line, Cheshman Nefesh. Cheshman Nefesh means an accounting for your soul. So he tells the boy, let me tell you what accounting for your soul really means. So, what, what do you think you're supposed to do in Yom Kippur? To think about every single Aveda you did, every terrible thing you did in your life, every terrible feeling, terrible thing you did. So what a, what a rotten way to spend such a holy day. <laughs> so you say like this, what's Yom Kippur? What's a Chesh Nefesh really mean? A Chesh Nefesh, a soul accounting is like this. You think about all the kindness of Hashem. You think throughout Yom Kippur, the Abish's kindness to you. And then you realize Hashem's kindness, at the end of Yom Kippur, what am I doing? That's that's when the Futafas told this boy. In a similar way, come to Shona and you're face to face with the Abishter, then you start feeling, okay, this is the stuff that shouldn't be here. And then you could say, Hashan Tashmanasri for real. So in a similar way, when do we realize that there's issues? When Vayim Kippur, Vayim Kippur, face to face with the Abishter, doesn't say, Hey, Yom Yom, face to face with the Abishter, then you realize that there is a, that there's something that has to, be, has to get solved. And that's how it gets solved. But our closest to Hashem is what is, allows us to solve things, but also it makes us realize those things that have to get solved in the first place, right? You don't even know there's an issue. Until you're at that that higher 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 um, connection with Hashem, then you realize that stuff has to get worked on. So that's what Rabbi said. Not to start the truth. This, this is the beginning of truth. So addressing our question, our question was, why is this Torah portion read before both, both before Yom Kippur and after Yom Kippur? If a Jew is supposed to be in a whole different level after Yom Kippur than before Yom Kippur, so how can the same Torah portion address the Jew in two different states completely? The answer is, is that in every level of tshuva, there is every other level of tshuva. Even in the lowest level of tshuva, there is a trace of the highest level of tshuva. So even in the tshuva before Yom Kippur, there's something the tshuva after Yom Kippur. In simple language, that it says. 
When a Jew does tshuva, why is he doing tshuva? Let's say he's doing tshuva because he's afraid of getting punished. So in that experience of doing tshuva because he's afraid of punishment, deep down within him, there's a feeling of returning his neshama to Hashem to, be, to become one with Hashem. He wants to merge with Hashem. He wants to become one with Hashem. In his desire not to get zapped, within that, you'll see that the stuff that that's made of is a desire, Ruach Tasha, Kimash and Asana, the spirit is merging with the spirit that with Hashem who gave it. What does that mean? The the idea of ever said another occasion, um hey, I was speaking about the shaking of the wool of Nasrik. I said the shaking of the Nasrik is the idea of unity, right? There's there's uh, four kinds of, of of things you put together representing four kinds of Jews. But you don't always see the Jewishness in everybody. How do you see the Jewishness in everybody? Sometimes every Sarkhas Shalom, you have to get your Jew has to be shaken. The Jew is shaken, so then that exposes their, their inner core, their 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 inner sham. Ever said a Jew should be uh, better better do instead of getting shaked up shaken up in order to discover your Jewishness, much better to to do this uh, to do to 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 Hashem without getting shaken up. But but sometimes being sh- sh- shook up is how you discover your nisham. In a similar way, um, a person's doing shuvah. Why is he doing shuvah? Sometimes you can shake him with shuvah. I have a minute ago, say the chavos to anyone that kind of, the whole thing looks a year. Yeah. Sometimes two people stand and I say the chavos to one of them and the other one pipes up. The chavos like insult. Why didn't you say the chavos to me? Yeah. I'm joking. And the shuvah comes out and it's like, wait a minute, you know, I'm a year too. Right, right. So, 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 um, in this, um, so a person's doing tshuva because he's shook up, because he's getting zapped, because he's afraid of getting zapped. So Ebbe says, although he's afraid of, he's like the child, afraid of getting hit by his teacher, although that's, that's what's going on, that fear is only there to remove the klippa. There is an, a, here, there's a child here, there's an ashama here that wants to be close to Hashem. His fear of getting zapped is just there to get rid of the negative energy so that he could return to Hashem. So, even if the, the simple reason why he's returning to Hashem is because he's afraid of getting punished, the real reason to doing tshuva is because his soul is returning to Hashem. You, you follow? He, he is saying, uh, like there was another occasion, uh, we discussed a couple of weeks ago about the prayer of Chana. Chana's prayer for a child, she said, I'm pulling out my soul before Hashem. That episode, whenever a Jew asks God for anything, he pours out his soul to God, he's asking for something, he's asking God for, uh, for Gashem, he's asking God for a physical thing. Whenever a Jew pours out his soul, the Rebbe says, it's before God. Whenever a child cries out to his parents, he's crying to his parents. He senses, this is my tati. He's asking for, a, for, for, for something simple and physical and, 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 and insignificant and something he shouldn't be asking for even. But in his cry, tati, there's a sense, tati. It's, it's not just... Um, it's not just... Uh, the car he's wanting, or the thing he's asking for. In that cry itself, there is tati. So similar way, although the guy is, is, is saying, I better defend myself out because I don't want to get zapped, in the, that, 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 that's just, his fear is just, is, serves a purpose to remove the external layer so that now his neshama could talk. But now his neshama is talking. He, he, his neshama is talking as a result of, of, of removing the interference. The interference was like, Always thinking about is his physical stuff and what's going on with him and what's going to happen to him next. Oh, I better I better also check off my box with God. So so in that desire to check off his box with God, 
what's 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 happening externally is checking out a box. But once a box is, but once he, he goes in that direction, his neshama is, is is very present. It's similar to what Ramam writes about this. Ramam says that if a Jew is meant to do a certain mitzvah, and the the Jew is not going to do the mitzvah, and the only way to get into the mitzvah is by a non-Jew forcing him, not a Jew, but a non-Jew has to force him. He doesn't scare. He's not scared of Jews. He's only scared of non-Jews. So you have to get the non-Jews. You have to get these guys who are. You have to get people which are hooligans to go take the guy and to force into the mitzvah. So it says the Rambam, although the guy is being forced to the mitzvah because of of this of his coercion, the truth is he is a Jew. He wants to be a Jew. He wants to all the God's commandments. As the Alter Rebbe said, a Jew does not want and cannot sever his bond with Hashem. This is because of the chachmash benefesh. This is because a part of our soul in which in which the infinite light of Hashem rests. And because of this, it's, that love could be sleeping, but that's there. And because of this, a Jew does not want and cannot separate himself from Hashem. It's only the Yitzhahara that's, that's, that's forcing him not to. And by him being forced by the non-Jews to do this mitzvah, what's happening is, is that the, the force of the Yitzhahara, the coercion of the Yitzhahara, to not listen to Hashem, is being is being removed. So then, he's why is he doing the mitzvah? He's doing the mitzvah because he wants to do the mitzvah. So there's a lot of the Jews are complicated, right? There's 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 a lot of him which is saying I don't want to do this mitzvah. There's a lot of him, but there's a lot more of him which wants to do the mitzvah. His deeper self wants to do the mitzvah. So when he gets beaten up and he says, okay, I want to do the mitzvah, what part of him is want to do the mitzvah? Him. That's his that's his deeper self. That's his real self. The 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 coercion just. Of the of, in, of the being beaten up to do this mitzvah is just removing the, the external part of him. So that was the Sham Katak. and this is true even regarding the person who says that um, a, there are people who say, "I am a Kal Shabakalam. Kal Shabakalam is a title given in Tanya for the lowest of the low. Kal Shabakalam. I'm a Kal Shabakalam. The Rebbe says it's not really so common to be a Kal Shabakalim. That's not an easy title to achieve. It sounds like an easy thing to be, the lowest, the lowest of the low. But the guy says, I, I am a title, I, I deserve this title, I'm a Kal Shabakalim, and my soul is very hidden. So who says that if I was beaten up, if who says that because I was threatened, my Nisham would come out? Who says that that, that, that it wouldn't happen? The Rebbe says, the truth is, that's the way it is. That's the reality. That's what it says in the Holy Books. That's the Facts way it is. Huh? Facts on the ground. Facts on the ground is that you, you think that you, if you would get beaten up, your neshama is not going to come out, it's going to come out. Can you translate that literally? Kalshul Kalam? Yeah. Kalam means to be, um, to treat things lightly. To treat things that, that with, with, with as if they're not weighty. They're, they're very, things, things that are really weighty, to treat them as, the man yeah. easy, easy of easy. Yeah, total disregard. Kalshul Kalam. People who consider important things to be very nothing, a total disregard. That's the word. So, since both before Yom Kippur and after Yom Kippur, there's the same thing as tshuva. Therefore, it makes sense that we can read the same Torah portion both before Yom Kippur and after Yom Kippur. We can add another point about the name of this Torah portion. The name is Hazinu. Hazinu means to listen. In the famous Hathorah, uh, regarding Amalek, when... Shmuel commanded uh, Shaul to destroy the people of Amalek. So Shaul did not destroy everybody. He left the uh, animals, etc. 
and they let the king, and Shavuot rebuked him, and Shaul says, uh, what are you talking about? I have all these animals to bring as a sacrifice to God. So Shmuel famously rebuked him and said, listening is better than bringing a sacrifice. That means, I guess, although logically, even using the logic of holiness, holy logic, the logic of King, uh, King Shaul, things make sense in a different way. That's what Shaul said. And Shaul said, Shaul was a perfect tzaddik. It says in the Torah that Shaul was one year old, one years old when he became the king. What that means is not he was literally one years old, but he was like a one year old. He never did Averis. So he had a great idea. On the contrary, we should bring to Hashem a sacrifice from the animals of Amalek. What a great idea. We're going to bring the darkness to light. So Shmuel said to him, listening is better than a good sacrifice. So the episode like this, the whole existence of a Jew needs to be hazinu, has to be to listen. That means he's just a vessel to hear what Hashem says, nothing more. And when we're in a state of hazinu, when we're in a state of listening, then we're able to reach tshuva. Both before Yom Kippur, after Yom Kippur, as if we're in a state of listening. Here's the Yonatan, here's the Ev. If we're in a state of listening, they are able to reach tshuva. I'll tell you one more line, uh, not in this Febrengen, that I was listening to right before Yom Kippur. It was Mamish crying. It was like, in 1988, uh, that was speaking, 5748, that was speaking about the laws of earthenware vessels. That was said that an earthenware vessel, uh, let's say a tray, which doesn't have any receptacle in it, just a flat tray. So it's not able to become impure, and the rule is, unless something is there to receive, it cannot become impure. So the Rebbe says, even if it actually has something to receive, and it, its receptacle is full, it still will not contract impurity if it's not made to receive. If it could receive, but it's not made to receive, it cannot become impure. So that was crying. They said a Jew may have a receptacle to receive. He could receive from God all physical things. He could receive from God all spiritual things. But he's not made to receive. It's not what he's about. What is a Jew about? The Jew is about serving Hashem. The Jew is about his whole existence is Hashem. And some of the same thing we're saying over here that that uh, there are kind of, all kinds of ideas we may have. Like Shaul had all this great idea of offering to Hashem these sacrifices. But what did Shmuel say? Better than offering sacrifices to Hashem. Listening is better than a good sacrifice. Listening is better than the fat of rams. So the whole, how do you reach tshuva? Tshuva is by come, reaching a state in yourself that I want to just listen. What does Hashem have to tell him? L'chaim, l'chaim, v'racha. Yes. Right, Shmuel, Alphen, uh, Alphen, Bet. What was the reason for that? Those were two different sections. It's a different book. Different I know, book. but I mean, what? you brought it up and then it dropped. Oh. I, I was just pointing out that, that there are books in the Torah which are divided into sections, one and oh. two, and Azino isn't. All Azino has okay. different parts of it. Okay. It's all one four portion. I'm reading it, reading the whole thing this week. After we finish this segment of the Febrengen, Nebuchadnezzar is singing Napoleon's March.